0: Right. Well, would you grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Genesis? Uh, Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. Start at the beginning. So we've uh, covered several topics uh, over the last year. Uh, man, I love these uh, ironworks Saturday mornings. It's good to get together with the brothers. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. The Bible says that. And um, the idea of that um uh, the idea of brothers dwelling together in unity um our culture doesn't like that and um and i i think a lot of men in in the churches today don't like that concept and i'll i'll tell you why today one of my hopes is to talk about that actually because i think that's a huge part of our topic today we've covered you know marriage and being a good husband and fathers and family devotions and studying the scriptures and you know integrity and we've covered a bunch of topics Um, This is a big one, uh, and uh, this is one of those topics, there's no way we'll be able to really handle it today. Say, oh yeah, we got that one, check. Uh, The issue is personal purity, that is dealing with lust, pornography, and all the other things that go along with that. Um, And it's a big one. It's a big topic because it's a big, huge problem uh, in our lives as men. And, um, you know, uh, did you know that um, men are 534% more likely to look at porn than women? Uh, that's, that's just slightly uh, over, just a bit there, 534%. That's big. And, you know, the stats, I don't even really need to go over stats with you that much. There were some interesting things I wanted to share with you because we all know it's a problem. Uh, we all have seen it as an issue in many lives, if not our own. And so... Um, some of the newest things that have popped up as uh, a huge problem is mobile porn. That's, that's a big one. After an analysis of more than one million hits to Google's mobile search, um, they, they uh, find that adult queries are de- demonstrated to be the most popular query category by far. Uh, one in five searches uh, are for pornography um, on Google. Uh, when 1,521 smartphone owners ages 18 and older were surveyed. 24% admitted to having pornographic material on their mobile handset. Um, Of these, 84% who were involved in a romantic relationship said their partner did not know about the porn on their phone. In 2012, 43.8% of adult industry executives and stakeholders uh, foresaw that mobile devices would become uh, consumers' primary porn-viewing devices. Um, you know, r- rocket scientists, as they are, they figured out with uh, new high-def, high-res screens and stuff that it would, it would replace your TVs and your computer screens and um, you'd be able to uh, search porn on the go. So they invested huge amounts of money in the industry for mobile porn. Um, <clears throat> and so mobile adult uh, video chat alone will have a compound annual growth rate of 25%. According to uh, the Journal of Adolescent Health, prolonged expor- exposure to pornography leads to, and this is just an interesting list, um, an exaggerated perception of sexual activity in society. Um, uh, one of the things that porn does is makes uh, men who are mostly searching and looking at these things, um, they, they think that everybody's doing it. That's one of the things you'll, you'll find in a guy that really... Uh, has been uh, struggling with porn for years, they'll kind of have that thing that everybody does it. It's kind of what uh, people are into. And and their perception of women uh, and uh, sexuality gets totally tweaked out, thinking that women are one way when really they are not. It's an industry that is uh, meant to... Shape a person's view. Diminished trust between intimate couples happens. Uh, Also, abandonment of hope for sexual monogamy. Uh, The more a guy gets into sexual impurity, the more he believes it's impossible to have one sex partner. Um, Also, uh, believing that promiscuity is a natural state. When a person looks at pornography, the more they do it, the more they think it's just the way we are, it's the way we're wired. Uh, tough bananas. Um, one of the things that um, uh, happens is men start to uh, blame God. They say, well, God gave me this drive. It's a God-given drive that I have. And, and so, um, so it's God's fault. If he, if he didn't want us you know, sleeping around or if he didn't want us looking at porn, then he shouldn't have wired us that way. But what's interesting is uh, uh, that's not the way he originally wired us. Um, in fact, uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. It's our fault. It's our fault that we have this heightened sense of sexuality that goes way past biblical morality. Um, and, and we'll see how it is kind of our fault, uh, not the Lord's. Um, also, they be- that what happens is a person that gets into porn eventually gets to this belief system that abstinence and sexual inactivity uh, is an unhealthy lifestyle. Which you see that even in our public schools you know, teachers are teaching that in many places where, you know, abstinence is not a real solution. Uh, it's not realistic. And some, some teachers and some parents even I've met believe it's an unhealthy thing if their child is not messing around sexually or looking at porn and what have you. Um, we had a kid, uh, by the way, in our youth group uh, years ago. I was, we were kind of between youth pastors and I was kind of leading our high school group for a while. Um... But this one kid, uh, she really wanted to be pure. She was, she was uh, saying, "I want to be uh, abstinent. I want to uh, wait for for my husband." and and uh, some of our girls that are, were uh, the group leaders and uh, were telling me that this poor girl, her parents were saying, "You need to start sleeping around. Like you need to start, you know, experimenting and trying things out." And, and here's this poor girl trying to be pure. It's amazing the wacko level our culture has uh, arrived at in this area. Um, another thing that happens, according to the adolescent health programs, they've they found that cynicism about love. Uh, for affection between sectional partners, uh, they start to uh, uh, really look at love in a cynical kind of way, like real love, cynically. Uh, also, belief that marriage is sexually confining and also the lack of attraction of family and child raising. All of these things are the uh, fruit uh, of, um, of today's porn industry. Now, um, the one thing that uh, is is is. Interesting is the experts who are dealing with pedophiles, sexual predators, um, law enforcement. Um, they're deeply concerned because the way they say, it, you know, today um, it's not your grandfather's porn uh, anymore. And what that means is, uh, you know, um, a young boy at the age of twelve with his with his uh, you know personal phone is exposed to a world of depravity and sexual impurity Um, and uh, you know he'll see in one day uh, more than uh, you know our ancestors would see in their lifetime sexually and uh, this is an overlord and it shapes um, what's happening in fact um, this is an interesting study Um, internet porn this is this is a a survey by an Italian society of andrology and sexual medicine um, in 2011 they, they, they came to the conclusion that it, it's internet porn that is killing young men's sexual performance. Um, how did we ever get by? Have you guys ever wondered, how did we ever get by before the ED commercials that are all on TV? Uh, wasn't that crazy? Well, how long ago was that when all of a sudden every commercial on TV was about erectile dysfunction? And, um, and then the joke was it was because a bunch of old guys, you know, kind of losing their mojo. But um, the truth of the matter is, studies have shown, those commercials are not just for the old guys, it's actually for some of the young guys. Young men are becoming more and more uh, in trouble in this area, erectile dysfunction. Um, And uh, nobody's going to be willing to admit this, but the studies are showing in this Italian Society of Andrology sexual medicine study they found that um, the, the young men's sexual performance was being greatly hurt by the pornography in the industry. Young men are getting into porn now um, at, at their peak dopamine levels and also neuroplasty, which leaves deeper ruts in their sexual tastes and desires. What does that mean? The neuroplasty of the brain is kind of an interesting study in and of itself. We're not going to get into it too much here today, uh, but it is a, a worthy consideration. Basically, the plasticity of the mind that is, your mind adapts. Uh, and we know how that works. It, it's true with a lot of things. You know, uh, if you uh, struggle with uh, hot fudge sundaes and hamburgers and pizza. I don't know what that struggle is all about, but uh, yeah, no, the plasticity, well, have you ever noticed that when you're dieting, that when you decide to eat healthy or clean or whatever you want to call it, I know it's not healthy to diet and all that stuff, but you start eating clean and less calories, have you noticed that your brain goes nuts, every commercial on TV, pizza, you start salivating and you're like holding the television, well, I, I don't do that, but... Um, <laughs> But you're like, ah, I gotta have a pizza. But but what's interesting is after after a while, uh, and I've had success and massive failure in these. I've lost 100 pounds a couple times, and uh, 80 pounds like eight times uh, in my lifetime. Uh, so I know what this struggle's about and the plasticity of the mind. I know what this is. When you get on a roll, have you ever noticed that when you're struggling with some kind of addiction, you can get on a roll, and that has to do with your the way your, the neurology of the brain works. But here's what's interesting about the pornography industry as it relates to neuroplasticity. They're finding that young men, um, the ruts cut deeper and are more permanent uh, or semi-permanent, I should say, when they, when they found. Um, in fact, the way it kind of shakes out, if you take a guy uh, who's in his 50s and has been looking at porn all his life, uh, Uh, Versus a kid who starts young looking at today's modern porn, which is way more, uh, you know, um, what would you call it? Vivid or or, uh, clear and and perverted. Um, Because of that, the, the, the ruts cut deeper. And so what's interesting about this problem with porn as it relates to erectile dysfunction, they're finding that if a guy will simply, who's 50, goes off porn, within two months... This is what they're finding. Within two months, uh, his ED will go away completely as an older guy. But it takes three to four times longer for a young man who's uh, having trouble with uh, erectile dysfunction. Uh, it takes him two, uh, several times more uh, uh, t- to get back to a healthy, uh, you know, physical uh, sexual performance, as, it's, as they call it in the commercials and all that stuff. Um, the point is they're finding that young men's minds are being more permanently redded in some of these uh, forms of pornography and they're concerned about it. And then also uh, law enforcement is concerned because young men are starting younger and they feed that as, as they uh, develop a resistance to certain kinds of porn. They go to even heavier uh, types of porn, even to illegal activity and ultimately to predatorial kind of behavior. And uh, we're seeing that in our culture. And, you know, those who study these things, we had a gal come from Clackamas County who was um, part of law enforcement. <clears throat> and um, she came and did a, a seminar for our leadership and staff about sexual predators and uh, how you handle that and what to do. And um, it was we all walked away from that session feeling sick to our stomach and wanting to throw up because of the dastardly nature of what pornography does and how it starts to pervert earlier today Uh, than it did even uh, 20, 30 years ago. It's an amazing problem in our culture. So uh, there are many websites now that are not Christian and really don't care about smut or pornography, but they're realizing that men are suffering because of pornography. So there's even a lot of secular websites that are now given to helping men stop using porn because of all of its negative side effects, including ED. But also they're linking porn more than ever to depression, and also ADHD and all kinds of other issues uh, that normally they would uh, look at um, those issues as a first tier issue. Well, you're dealing with the depression and they aren't really looking at uh, as a a, uh, result of um, the dopamine uh, that, that uh, happens when the brain is stimulated sexually. And when a guy doesn't get that same level of satisfaction and it, and it starts to crave more, depression often sets in. The studies are kind of amazing, really, uh, of all the dastardly trouble that takes place because of porn. Meanwhile, Uh, Our world largely just chuckles, ah, whatever. Guys, you know, it's harmless visual stimulation and and, uh, we shouldn't be worried about it. Stop being such a religious prude. Meanwhile, uh, the world is is spiraling. According to sociologist Jill Manning, the research indicates pornography consumption is associated with the following six trends, among others as well. But uh, increased marital distress and risk of separation and divorce. There's men in this room who have uh, had um, uh, marriages fall apart because of pornography. uh, And that's a sad truth. Decreased marital intimacy and sexual satisfaction. Pornography, one of the absolute results of a a man looking at porn is uh, he will be less satisfied with his wife. Uh, The Bible even talks about that. Also, infidelity and adultery. Uh, Increased appetite for more graphic types of pornography and sexual activity associated with abusive Illegal or unsafe uh, practices. Eventually, mentally, they start to devalue monogamy, uh, monogamy marriage, and even child raising, and an increase of number uh, struggle people struggling with compulsive, addictive, sexual behavior. So, what happened to humanity? Where did we get into this thing? If 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 we say, well, God, why did you wire us this way to have sexual drives? Well, first of all, we have to go back to the beginning of why God created us to like each other, to be uh, in love with each other. It's Genesis chapter 2, our text is where we're going to begin, and I think this will help us uh, not try to blame God for our own sinful tendencies. Uh, what happened was uh, God had made everything, and everything that he had made, he said, it is good. But when he looked at the man, he said, it is not good. That's the first thing he said was not good, it was man. He said, it is not good that man should dwell alone. And so in Genesis chapter 2, it says, verse 21, it says in Genesis 2, 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. He said, whoa, man. Uh, Now, this is interesting because, you know, Adam was naming all the critters, you know, uh, know, Mr. and Mrs. Hippopotamus, Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe, Mr. and Mrs. Duck. And then he realized, uh, I don't have a missus. So now he's sort of celebrating this idea of man, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I've got a, a partner here in marriage and uh, he he's, uh, calls her woman, taken out of the man. Verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and, they, and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Um, now, I remember reading this as a kid thinking, what's that all about? Who cares about their nakedness and whether they're ashamed or not? But then I started to realize this was a condition that was very unique to humanity, something we don't know anything about now. This, this, this whole notion of being naked and not ashamed is long gone. It, it ceased with Adam and Eve. There was a day where a man and a woman could stand naked in front of one another, and there was not one weird feeling. It wasn't a, a, a perverted, twisted thing. It was a beautiful thing, and the man loved his wife, and they became husband and wife, and that was God's plan. And by the way, one of the rules, people always ask, Brett, what's, where's the line and what's sexually wrong and what's right and you know, how far is too far? And, and that depends on what the definition of is is, um, if you were around back in the Clinton era. Um, sexual relations, what is sexual? See, Here's the thing, uh, it's real simple, it's really, really easy, easy and that is um, anything that's sexual outside of the confines of marriage is biblically called sin. Anything that's outside of the the confines of marriage that's sexual in nature is sinful. Now, don't get me wrong, temptation is not sin because Jesus was tempted in all points like as you were. Did you know that Jesus was tempted sexually? Um, I know that sounds horrible even to say, but it's because we don't understand the nature of what temptation is. Temptation is not giving into the sin. Uh, It's just being tempted by the sin. And Jesus was tempted as like you are. Only Jesus was without sin. He didn't cave. He didn't give in. So this idea of, of you know, um, this, this sexual temptation that's around us, anything that's outside of marriage is called sin. People ask, Brett, what about masturbation? Is that sinful? Uh, and then uh, like a young single guy. And I have to say, are, are you married? Because uh, that sexual act that you're doing. Well, I'm just trying to think in my mind blankness. Uh, as, as, uh, as I'm, you know, doing the deed. And, um, and I, I just, you know, the, the thing about that one that's really tough as a young single guy, uh, is that even healthy or possible? Is it even possible? And the truth of the matter is, uh, I, you, know, um, I, you know, it's tough with the whole idea of, you know, masturbation or self-love or whatever you want to call it. The, the problem is what the mind does and what the mind has to do. Is the mind thinking of holy, godly, righteous things? Or is the mind going to things that are impure and uh, not in conjunction with marriage? That's the hard part of that. Um, And well, then the guy says, well, what if you're married and you're thinking only of your wife? Um, These are um, oftentimes questions that are difficult. And uh, I wouldn't land and die on a battlefield on these things. But, you know, the truth is um, oftentimes guys ask those questions because... We live in a culture that says we can't control it. We have sexual drives and sexual needs that are impossible to tame. And what what the problem with that is we've we've uh, been drinking the Kool Aid of our society. Um, the truth is, it is possible. And uh, I, I know guys I, 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 that are actually saying we understand. That um, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Rather than asking the question, "How far is too far?" You know, what can I still do and still be within good grip bounds sexually? Um, but the, the the truth is, the way the Bible treats it is, sex happens inside of marriage. The marriage bed is undefiled, and uh, you don't really see. Uh, it's interesting because on the issue of, of you know masturbation, for example, the Bible is. Really silent on it. There's one dude, Onan, who does something that everybody gets all weirded out about. He spills his seed on the ground. Do you guys remember that guy in the Old Testament? And some people will say, well, it's because he and he was cursed for doing that. But the problem is contextually, if you really look at the story, it wasn't because he spilt the the sperm or the seed out on the ground. It's because he was uh, doing some whole other evil thing that we don't have time to get into. But the point is this. Um, sexuality, if you want to know what the Bible teaches, uh, is beautiful and perfect and awesome inside of marriage. So when God created sexuality and the drive within man to, uh, be a sexual person or being, um, one of the things we have to understand is God didn't call it dirty. He didn't call it sin just to make a problem for you. What he did is he made it so that we would have a desire to be married and have children and enjoy marriage, the pleasure of marriage and the pleasure of sexuality. That was God's idea. It was his invention. It's our culture through sin that has magnified that and we've fed that outside of marriage in a perverse way and thus our whole filter system is tweaked out of what's pure and what's right and what's legit. And so um, one of the things that we need to do to right out of the gate when we consider sexuality is to have the Lord reset. We need to reboot what we think about women, what we think about sexuality. We need to realize we've been tweaked and tainted by this world because of what we see on TV. Um, you know, it's, it's tough because um, so many of the shows that we watch that aren't classified as pornography they really are. We should just be honest with ourselves. And, you know, um, uh, I, I was um, talking to somebody the other day, and they were telling me, oh, yeah, Brad, don't watch Game of Thrones. I said, why? I've heard everybody's watching it. And um, and wh- one of the, the bummers for me is uh, one of my old youth group kids, uh, he was a great kid in the youth group, and Tad and I made this kid do more push-ups than any other guy in the youth group, and he Facebook friended me the other day, and he, uh, he's got, he's, he was like this model, he was like doing modeling, and he had these big ripped muscles, I was like, dude, you owe me, I made you do all those thousands of push-ups, and, uh, but, um, but uh, as it turns out, he's, he's won Emmys uh, for Game of Thrones, he's the video, uh, di- director of videography of Game of Thrones, which is pretty much pornography, it's just pornography, that's all it is, um, and uh, and it's, it's heartbreaking to me that in mainstream now, everybody's talking about stuff like it's just a good TV show when really we're letting into our hearts and our minds the culture around us uh, just to pervert, tweak out, and mess up men everywhere. Uh, and we're just diminishing it like it's no big deal. We need to reset, rethink, turn everything back to God's original intent in the garden. So what happened? As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, jump forward to chapter 3. Uh, Chapter 3, so nakedness, no shame. Everything's cool within marriage. Everything's good. But then suddenly in chapter 3, verse 9, it says. um, uh, Pardon me, let's start in verse 7. It says, after they ate of the fruit, it says, verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. What's going on here in the Garden of Eden? Once sin was brought in. Suddenly they realize that they're naked, and they said, "Man, we got to cover up." There was shame. In fact, it goes on, verse nine. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, "Where art thou?" And he said, "I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself." Um, and the Lord said, who, t- "Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I have commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat?" And the man said, "The woman." Whom thou gavest uh, (laughs) to be with me, she gave me of the fruit. It wasn't me, it was her. Uh, Husbands blaming their wives. That's never happened since then, uh, the Garden of Eden. Um, But be that as it may, um, suddenly nakedness is an issue. Suddenly there's shame and sin involved with it. And that's because of the sinfulness of humanity. And really that's the story from Genesis and onward, is this idea of nakedness and the sin and the shame. And I would argue that the sexual issue ties into almost everything, almost everything. What's interesting to me is when you study paganism throughout the Bible, um, that there was always sexual issues wrapped up in worshiping of these gods and goddesses, Baal and Diana and Ashtoreth, Um that were, you know, before they had, uh, you know, porn and 4K and HD and on your iPhones and all that stuff, you know, they had similar things that were, you know, we, we think, well, we've got it way worse than the times of the Bible. Maybe, but maybe not, because you could walk through, say, like, when we go to Beth Shean. Uh, in Israel, or when we go to Jerush, there in the uh, the country of Jordan, you know, the, the temples are there and the pillars are there. And you can see in, in each of these temples, like there's a temple to the goddess Diana there at Jerush. And I, I don't really tell uh, our groups there because we're a mixed group uh, and it's uh, men and women. I don't want to gross everybody out. But as you're standing there at the temple of the goddess Diana, you'll see these beautiful pillars and walls. And, and then there's these niches. Uh, they're like little... Um, carved out areas in the walls that are you know like six feet uh, by three feet and it's a little like a little miniature stage platform cut into the wall and there's like seven or eight built into the wall and you say well what were those for and you'd picture like a vase or some nice thing there no it was a naked woman dancing enticing men to go into the temple of diana uh, and go and have sex they'd pay money and have sex and you know the money would go into this great bank in fact in ephesus um, uh, the, the biggest temple to Diana was built in, in Ephesus. And uh, so many men came to Ephesus to have sex with temple prostitutes. Uh, so much money was made that they, they built this ancient bank, uh, this banking system in Ephesus because the money was pouring in. And by the way, uh, the biggest sustainable inter- industry on the internet is pornography. Pornography. Billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, are being exchanged in the porn industry. And not a lot's changed since the times of Ephesus, Jarish, Bet-Shan, and Portland. It's not changed all that much. Men are still spending their money, wasting their time, destroying their lives on the same old stuff. So the, the thing that's sad about this is suddenly in the garden it becomes shameful and sinful and they hide one from another, Um, you know, sexual sin ensues throughout Genesis, really, throughout the whole story. Um, We're going to see in Genesis, you know, as we continue through the Bible, uh, incest and homosexuality and adultery and fornication, polygamy, all kinds of lusts and various sinful forms and kinds, and it will dominate uh, throughout all the Bible. Even in David's life, uh, we're sadly coming to that classic story of David Um, looking at Bathsheba and it's going to really wreck his life and I believe it's going to shorten the ministry that God would have had in him as king of Israel Uh, it's a sad deal now go with me to Exodus chapter 20 so Genesis is full of all kinds of stories about sexual impurity maybe you've forgotten Judah who slept with his daughter-in-law and all kinds of crazy stories of sexual promiscuity it's in the Bible the Lord doesn't pull any punches But when he hands down the Ten Commandments, um, there's something that is kind of important for you to see as a a man um, that I believe uh, you you might say, well, what's the most um, prohibitive of the Ten Commandments as it relates to sexuality? Well, some might say, well, uh, Brett, you know, the seventh uh, of the Ten Commandments there in verse 14. It's it's Exodus 20, verse 14, where it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And that's sex outside of the marital bounds. But that's not the only uh, of the Ten Commandments that deals with sexuality. Did you know that? Let's go backwards to uh, commandment number one. There in verse three, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Um, one of the gods that I think gets in place of the true and living God, particularly with men, more than any other god or goddess uh, um, that is on the planet is the sin of sexuality. It's the astrath and the Diana. In modern times, we don't call it Astrath or Diana, but it's the same thing. Men worship at the altar of sexuality all the time. Uh, how do you know if you're a worshiper of sexuality? Um, it has to do with your passions. What, what gets you going? What makes you happy? What do what you long for and crave for more than anything else? Um, what do you spend your time doing? Um, what, what are the things you do just because you kind of feel like you have to and you sort of dutifully go through it versus what you really are passionate about? And the problem is with a lot of men, if they're honest, they would have to say, in a moment of honesty, which the problem with porn and the shame that goes around it, we'll talk about that in a second, is nobody really wants to talk about this. But the truth of the matter is, um, if a man is in a moment of honesty, he will oftentimes have to say that he's most passionate about sexuality. And uh, a lot of guys uh, start uh, you know, getting their fix in various forms and ways, whether it's pornography or if it's gone to... Um, sex outside of marriage adultery unfaithfulness uh, prostitution and all kinds of other things that could be on the list um, and and the problem is that's that's the problem with that that's what they're worshiping thou shalt have no other gods before me and the problem is there's a lot of guys who come to church on Sunday morning and slouch in the in the chair or the pew and kind of listen to a sermon and sing a song because that's what they do we dutifully do that because that's what a good man in America does. He goes to church with his family and he kind of does it. But when it comes to his own passions and what really burns in his heart, sadly, uh, pornography and pursuing sexual you know, highs and what have you, that's what he's really passionate about. Uh, the second commandment is the same. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven <clears throat> image <clears throat> or any likeness of anything. That is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. What's that? Now we think, okay, good. We don't have to worry about commandment number two because we're not making idols of stone or wood or gold or silver. But the truth is, what were these idols? Well, if you'll note uh, one of the things, do you remember um, when you first started looking at archeological digs when you were a high school kid or a junior higher? Um, One of the things that uh, I remember buddies, uh, we we were in history class and we were looking at some of these little idols in our textbook at Applegate um, Elementary School, which was also middle school. But we we remember uh, sort of chuckling as junior high boys because all these idols had huge breasts. And also the men had large penises. Do you guys remember seeing all these archaeological digs? And they kind of showed these little statues. You have to understand there's a reason why that was that way. It wasn't because uh, they just wanted to be anatomically correct and make the idol sort of look like a person. In fact, most of the idols that you see from Bible times and other times in history are these exaggerated views of what sexuality really was. Does that sound familiar? Exaggerated views of what real sexuality, that's been going on since the stone age. It's just now we don't need stones and wood because we have video and computers and we can exaggerate and we can, you know, blow up the pornography sexual industry like no other generation in the history of the world. And so we can give this exaggerated view of sexuality and our young boys are growing up uh, seeing something that's not even real, first of all. But they're feeding this, and like I said, the neuroplasty of the brain starts to form and starts to be redded deeply. And it's a brutal deal. So this idea of thou shalt not make into thee any graven image, I hope you understand that pornography is a graven image and it's probably one of the most worshipped Uh, deities in the cosmos that's the truth of the matter commandment number two we can't just check it off don't have any stone idols in my house Uh, we can't just check that off we have to be careful that's a huge one and it's still a problem today in fact you know you could almost argue that there's christianity and then there's sexuality and those are the two big oppositions Um, it's a big deal um, it's almost like you could look at Buddhism and Islam and uh, Mormonism and all the other ones. You can look at those as subcultures, uh, but sexuality is sort of the, the big one that I believe is being worshipped by men of all uh, groups, of all faiths, and all uh, places around the world. So it becomes this huge, huge problem. Um, so Exodus chapter 20, the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, it's interesting because Peter Kreeft, a great philosopher, he said this, He said, the opposite of Christianity is not atheism, but idolatry. We're all worshipers. We all worship someone. We all worship something. We all give ourselves for some person, some feeling, some experience, or something. And that's really true. It's not the opposite of Christianity is atheism. The opposite of Christianity is idolatry. Uh, And uh, sexual impurity is one of the highest, greatest forms of idolatry. And uh, sadly, people are falling by the droves. All sex outside of heterosexual marriage uh, is, by God's own decree, from Genesis to Revelation, unholy and forbidden. Um, So that includes, uh, if you're wondering, homosexuality. It includes bestiality and bisexuality, fornication, uh, adultery, rape, polygamy, pornography, prostitution, friends with benefits, pedophilia, incest. Well, Brett, what if my my problem's not on the list? It's probably because it's even more perverted than what I just listed. Uh, We need to run for our lives from these things. Now, the reason I list these things is not just to make a list that you can check off, but in the New Testament, all this list that we just talked about, there's one word in the Greek text that sums it all up and puts it all in one big category called porneia. That's the word, porneia in the Greek. It's incest, bestiality, homosexuality, bisexuality, uh, polygamy, all of those things, adultery. That's that's under the category of porneia, which is often translated into New Testament terms, uh, English terms, as fornication, okay? So that's kind of important to understand. So when the New Testament talks about uh, porneia, it's the whole junk drawer of bad sexual things. Are you with me on that? Kind of important to know that. So let's, let's go back to the, the uh, New Testament and uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There in 1 Corinthians, of course, uh, Paul dealing with the church at Corinth, they were uh, wrapped up in all kinds of sexual impurity uh, like our culture. The church at Corinth was very much like our, our culture. But one of the key uh, scriptures, and you can even memorize the first part of this verse. It's 1 Corinthians six eighteen. What does it say there? Flee fornication. I think every man should have that uh, highlighted, underlined, neon signs installed, uh, flashing lights right there. Flee fornication. And you guessed it. What's the Greek word for that? Porneia, which is everything outside of uh, marriage, that deals with sexuality. Flee, run for your life. There's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of danger. You run, you you uh, flee fornication. Then it goes on. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are? Are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Um, the implication is your body's a temple, and if you're sitting in the area of Pornea, anything outside of marriage, you are defiling your temple, and where defilement happens, the Lord doesn't coexist with that defilement. Where there is light, there could be no darkness. But when you kick out the, the, the light and you put in darkness, you turn off the light switch. Man, your temple's going to be dark. I'm saddened to say that there's so many men that are playing the game like we're just being Christian guys and everything's good and we're all good, but we're still letting that defilement come into our temples. And we wonder why we don't have joy of the Lord. We, don't, we wonder why we don't have power of the Spirit flowing through our lives we wonder why our marriages are failing and why there's trouble. And guys, are they're, they're, they're tucking away the pornography or the sexual immorality as just sort of a side struggle that you have, but nothing else is related to it. But the truth is we have found in counseling here, but also in the studies that have been done around the world, that uh, this pornography issue and, and sexual sin is causing trouble on every level of a man's life, including his own worship of the Lord and his passion for, for, for Christ. It's a a interesting issue. It's not just First Corinthians six eighteen that is pretty big uh, there, but it's also uh, the the first part of this um, in um, in verse chapter six verse nine. Back up a little bit, chapter six First Corinthians. Now this is where it gets kind of heavy. Um, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. In other words, whenever the Bible says don't be deceived, the the truth is this is where you could be duped, tricked. Question, who's trying to dupe? Satan, the deceiver. He wants to deceive. Um, He's called the deceiver. That's that's what his name means, the deceiver. So here's the Bible lovingly warning you and me, don't be deceived, don't be duped. Here's a big warning. Don't be bamboozled by Beelzebub. Here it is. It says, "Know ye not that the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived; neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, um, uh, nor thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, uh, nor revellers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God." Now, at this point, everybody gets into the "once saved, always saved" etern- eternal security. Can you lose your salvation? And I I really get bummed out because that's always where people go with this particular scripture because it scares people. People read this section and say, man, if you're a drunkard, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. But depending on your view of uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism, once saved, always saved, eternal security, um, it it tends to diminish one way or the other um, this, this strength that the Bible's warning us about something that we're not supposed to be deceived in. And could I implore you just for a moment here to put aside whatever view you have that way. And just for a second, read the Bible as it states it. Should we be concerned? Do you think God gives us these verses here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 just to kind of comfort us? Are these comforting words? No, you're not. Don't be deceived. But those who are um, you know, in fact, read the newer translations. I, uh, I love some of the newer translations because those old King James words don't mean as much to us. But in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, um, it says, do you, you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters or adulterers, nor male prostitutes, or homosexual offenders, nor thieves, or greedy, or drunkards, slanders, nor swindlers, Will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty heavy work. So, the Bible, you know, now I'm just giving you the highlights. Uh, the Bible gives us all kinds of um, warnings about this. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's a guy to do in our modern culture where uh, sexual impurity is all around us? Even if you're the most Christian behaving guy in the sanctuary. And you have the holiest, purest mind of all of us. Even you are going to be stumbled by billboards or by girls walking by on the street or by advertising. You know, you see so many hundreds and thousands of advertisements everywhere. And, and, uh, you know, the advertisers aren't stupid. Sexuality uh, has been used for a long time to lure men into uh, purchasing and spending. So you can be trying your hardest, doing your best, but it's still going to plague you. It's going to be around you. Um, I do wonder if there are those who uh, really aren't tempted at all by that. Now, don't get me wrong. uh, this This might be misunderstood, but I believe there are men that Paul referred to. He says, I would that you be single like me. Remember there in 1 Corinthians 7? And he says, but, uh, well, we're here at 1 Corinthians, why don't you look, let's check it out. 1 Corinthians 7 deals with those that are married, uh, why uh, you should avoid fornication by getting married. That's the way you deal with fornication, uh, is by getting married, verses 1 uh, through 5. But um, then um, in verse 6, he says something really unique. He says uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 6, but I speak... This by permission and not by commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself. But every man hath his proper gift of God. One after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them to abide even as I, to be single. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. The interesting, and by the way, it's not to burn in hell. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that uh, it's better to marry than to burn with passion for the other opposite sex. But Paul says something here uh, about a person has a gift. Everyone has their own gifts. And some people are gifted like he is, that it's not an issue for him. He doesn't need to be married. He doesn't need to have a sexual intimacy. And he's really good to go. And, and I say, good for Paul. I don't have that gift. Uh, never had that gift uh and that's why I'm married and uh and that's one of the reasons why I'm really blessed in my marriage to have a beautiful wife now you single brothers like yeah but bro what if you're single but you don't have the gift um pray hard that's all I have to say about that no I'm just kidding no uh actually if you're single then it's okay to to understand that's not your gift but it doesn't excuse sexual promiscuity. The Lord uh, will give you a way of escape. He's not going to tempt you above that which you are able, and he will provide a way of escape, uh, the scriptures tell us. You guys know about that. Um, but we'll talk about that way of escape in a second. Uh, and you can pray that the Lord will bring you the right wife in the right timing and according to God's plan and purpose. So this idea of marriage, uh, um, uh, that's, that's important. That's a part of the solution But what do you do as a guy today who struggles, if you are burning with passion and if you do have those lusts and those desires and our culture is throwing us, even though you are married, you're being attacked on every side. Let me give you some things just to think through and write down um, uh, just to remember. First of all, number one, recognize, don't rationalize. Number one, recognize, don't rationalize. Recognize the struggle that you have recognize the problem. Isn't that what you always say? The first step is recognizing that you have a problem. It's true. It really is true. And and, and here's the problem. In our culture, it's becoming easier and easier to rationalize. Well, I'm just a red-blooded American man. Uh, I have temptations. I have needs. And and our culture feeds this whole idea that it's okay to feed that. But the Bible says no. The Bible says that you are to um, be pure and keep yourself for your wife and your wife alone and sexual activity outside of marriage is sinful and that scary scripture we'll talk about that in a second uh, if you're practicing sexual immorality there's some scary enough scripture there that says you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven that's a pretty big deal so you don't rationalize away um, you know, not uh, recognize what's really going on see the problem is the packaging of sexuality it looks so good It seems so awesome. Uh, You know, we're just uh, appreciating the beauty of God's creation. That's what people tend to think about. They're rationalizing away how it's all okay because it's part of God's creation. No, God tells us. In fact, the wisest man that ever lived. Let's read what he had to say. I know we're flipping around here, but go with me to Proverbs chapter 5 real quick. Now, when you read about in Proverbs, there's a a woman that we talk about, and she's called the strange woman. (laughs) And it's not that she's into Star Trek. (laughs) Nothing wrong with women that are in Star Trek, by the way. But what what is the strange woman? Well, the strange woman is basically the woman who is trying to lure you away. And and in in Jewish times, it would oftentimes be the non-Jewish women. You know, the, women, the Moabite women or the Midianite women would come and try to lure Jewish boys away. And it was it, it's, it's in, in our terms, it's the non-Christian women or uh, the strange women who are trying to lure men into sexual promiscuity. You can kind of make that equivalent there. So listen to what the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth, according to the Bible, except for Jesus, Solomon writes. It says in verse 1 of chapter 5, My son attended to my wisdom. And bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of the strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her and come not near the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. Um, That thou mourn at the last when thy flesh And thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart, despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Drink the waters of thine own cistern and running waters of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and the rivers of water in the streets." Let them be only thine own and not the strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and the pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravaged with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man. Are before the eyes of the Lord. And he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself. And he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. And he shall die without instruction. And in the greatness of his folly. He shall go astray. Whew. Is that a heavy scripture? It's pretty clear what he's saying. There's the woman that's going to lure you away. And her ways are <coughs> Shaky. And she's going to mess you up and take you down to the depths of hell. And you're going to end up bound up with cords. This is heavy stuff. So he says, men, love the wife of your youth. Now, this is something Solomon knew about. Do you ever wonder if there was one woman that Solomon really knew? That should have been my wife. Or was there the 800 other? or 700 wives, 300 concubines. That's how many wives Solomon had. Um, After 700 wives, you'd kind of think, man, that one, that was the best one. She was the one. And I'll bet you it was the first one. Because he says, you need to just rejoice in the wife of your youth. Um, See, here's the thing, guys. You have to understand, once you're married, she is the one. Well, what if she wasn't the one? Doesn't matter. She is the one. If you're married, she is the one that you're married to. And you should have eyes for her only. And it's okay to think of her. And those beautiful, godly uh, ways that God has made for a man and a woman in it, within the confines of marriage. But then Paul told young Timothy, he said, but you got to think of the women like in the church, for example, and not as just women out there, but sisters and mothers. You, you view all the women in the church, all the women out there are like sisters and like mothers, not girls to be had. You know, It's, it's, a, it's a worldview that we try to wrestle against. By the way, for single guys, I think it's important for you to be careful to view the women in the church as sisters and mothers as well. You yeah, have a friend, how do I get a wife? Well, I, I believe one of the things that can happen that's so awesome, and this is where you have to ask yourself, are you, are you gonna just trust the Lord or are you not? But when you're going around on the prowl looking for a wife in the church, say, we can smell it a mile away. <laughs> I smell Desperation. And, 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 and girls can smell it too. And it freaks everybody out. Um, the godly man that treats a girl like his sister in the faith. If that sister in the faith um, appreciates the godliness of that man, suddenly you'll know there's something different about that sister as a single guy. And the Lord will take it from there. He'll move it from sister to romantic to where it becomes uh, marriage and then sex inside of marriage. But a lot of times I think our single guys don't know what to do with this because our world is so perverted. We've lost this idea of just treating and thinking of women as our sisters in the faith, not as meat, uh, not as, uh, you know, some sexual object. So all that to say, uh, we, we have to hear, by the way, let me just add this for the single brothers If you're struggling with pornography and sexual lust in a really radical way, and we'll talk about levels of this in a second, but if you radically struggle with this, you need to iron that out before you find a bride. You've got to iron that out before you get married because uh, it will mess up your marriage. um, That's something that I think, and we'll talk about how you can get help with that in a second. So, you know, this idea, you know, Solomon's pointing out, man, this is a huge issue. Recognize, don't rationalize, oh, but she's so nice and it feels so right and blah, blah, blah. Forget that. Proverbs 5. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 says this, but a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whosoever does so destroys himself. Did you hear how in Proverbs 5, Solomon said, man, you give away your wealth. I've seen this in some very legitimate ways. Um, a brother, a good friend of mine who got caught up in sexual immorality lost 95% of his wealth when he got busted uh, and found out of his sexual issues. 95% of his wealth and his wealth was a lot more than most of ours in this room uh, if you know what I mean. And the guy um, uh, was broken. Now, it's good news, the guy's doing great and, uh, but it took him almost reaching the depths of hell Uh, to get to a place where he recognized that he really had a problem and he didn't rationalize it away. One of the biggest problems is you recognize the problem but then rationalize. Don't do that. Recognize, don't rationalize. That's number one. Number two, repent. Repent. That's the first step really. Once you recognize, then you repent and turn the dials all back to zero. I think that's one of the biggest things you and I as men need to do on a daily basis, by the way. Um, some of you might need to repent right now from big things that you've done for the rest of for your whole life, and it's time to repent. Others of you are are, are in the battle, and you're struggling, and there's this daily repentance we have to you know confess. But repentance, whether it's macro repentance or micro repentance, what do you mean, Brett? Well, if you've been you know, doing all kinds of crazy sexual stuff and hiding it from everybody, there's macro uh, repentance that needs to take place. But if you are struggling in the battle, um, that you'll need to repent, constantly repent and turn the dials back to zero. Um, and that's where we have to uh, see our mind changed. Our mind changed. Um, it has to do with the way you think. Repentance has to do with the way you think. Um, now this is a discipline by the way and um, this is where you like for example I already gave you one thing repentance means you're changing your mind so instead of going to church for example and I I use church as an example because it's the place we all go but when we're there um, do you view women as sisters or do you view them as sexual objects when you go to work Do you uh, view women as people you're working with uh, and have a healthy relationship, or do you view them as sexual objects? Um, Repentance means you're going to change your mind in that, and that takes work to say, I'm going to view that person as one of God's creations, and especially if you're married, married, you need to say for sure, my wife is the only one that I view in a sexual way. As a single guy, you have to say there's only one person that I'm going to view in a sexual way and it's going to be my future wife and not let yourself go in that direction and it's the battle. It's the battle of the mind and it's something that is linked to repentance. When you change your mind, you say, but Brad, I can change my mind all day but my heart still burns with passion for them. My heart leads my mind. Well, here's one of the things the Bible teaches. You change your mind and then let God change your, your heart. You know, like it says there, uh, you know, delight in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But you got to delight in the Lord first. That's a changing of mind. Say, I'm going to delight in the Lord, and then, Lord, change my desires to be pure desires. Lord, I will change my mind, that's repentance, and I'm going to let you change my heart. And, man, great is the day when you have victory and you're able to say, I don't view those women as sexual objects, but I view them as... God's people who he loves, his daughters, my sisters in the faith. Are you with me on that? That's an important part of repentance. That's one example of changing your mind. Job said this in Job 31 verse one. He said, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a woman lustfully. That's Job, man. Good Job. I love Job. He just says, I've made a covenant, man. I signed a contract with my eyeballs that I am not gonna look at a woman with lust." Uh, it for her man that's that's changing your mind Um, and that's where it starts you change your mind repent that's that's kind of the first step after that so number one recognize don't rationalize number two repent turn the dials back to zero and start over repent change your mind number three return back into the light return back into the light see here's the problem Um, Listen to this. John chapter three, verse 19 says this. And this is the uh, the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Man, this is a sad but true verse. Have you had buddies? Just think about this for a second. A lot of us haven't thought about this. But have you ever had a buddy that was out there in the light You were hanging out and fellowshipping one with the other. You'd see him at church and you'd hang out with him and things were great. When suddenly he just wasn't around anymore. He just kind of stopped showing up and stopped hanging out and kind of started going more inward. And can I just tell you that's a huge red flag, brothers? When you see one of your buddies go dark, Um, I've even heard that terminology used, man, I'm gonna go dark for a while. That's not a good thing. Darkness is always a bad thing. I'm off the grid, man. Uh, I'm done talking to you for a while. Uh, I'm just kind of dealing with some stuff. Man, that's a telltale sign that uh, uh, the deeds are evil. I'm just telling you. Um, And the reason guys go dark is because, John tells us, because they, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Some of you have perhaps become very good at keeping a distance. You do just enough of an appearance at church With brothers to sort of be part of the church, but you have no real connection. Remember when we talked about accountability last fall? Or what was that? What was that? Last spring? Yeah, last spring we talked about accountability. We talked about getting together with some guys and having brothers get together. Some of you heard that said, Yeah, 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 whatever. I am not hooking up with a bunch of guys and having a you know kumbaya session. And you rationalize that as you're just an independent guy. You don't need that with other guys. I'm just telling you, that should be for you a cautionary word. If you don't have brothers that you're linked to, that you talk to about struggles that you have and challenges and and make yourself accountable, I would just caution you that perhaps that's your big problem. You're, You're perhaps, I'm just telling you like it is, you're perhaps too prideful or too afraid of what might happen if guys know what you really struggle with. See, here's the problem. The reason oftentimes we go dark, especially in the church, is because we think there's going to be condemnation and that we're going to shame you. Oh, you looked at pornography? <gasps> You're just a pervert. That's what people think. But the truth is, we're all sinners. We've all, there's a reason why I constantly remind the congregation of what a sinner I am. I've actually guys come up, Brett, should you really be talking about how you are a sinner so much? And I think, why wouldn't I? Um, you know, I, I think that um, first of all, pastors that set themselves up like they're without sin, they're just setting themselves up for a big fall. Um, I want the congregation Atheic of of to know that I'm as big of a sinner as everybody else in the congregation, and so is every other pastor, whether they like it or not. And I would even say this: the Pope is as big of a honking sinner as you and me. Oh. All have sinned, including the Pope and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. And one of the biggest problems with this guy's coming into the light and and just saying, man, I don't want my deeds to be hidden in the darkness anymore. I'm going to come out in the light. One of the problems with this is you're sure that once you're found out or once you talk to somebody that people are going to blab it or talk about it or you're going to be shamed or, or whatever. And that's just such a sad thing. Because what we need is to be loved. What is the the thing that leads men to repentance? Anybody? Kindness. Kindness. That's what the Bible says. It's the Lord's kindness that leads men to repentance, or his goodness. Um, There was an interesting TED Talks about addiction. And um, I thought it was intriguing. Uh, And and one of the things that... uh, they looked at was studies about drug addiction particularly but also sexual addiction and others but one of the things that they found is, um, is those that are addicted in our culture around the world are shamed um, and, uh, and, and I'm not going to argue for the legalization of drugs or anything like that but what's interesting Portugal had one of the worst drug problems uh, there were more deaths per capita in Portugal 20 years ago than any other country they had a huge problem and they were law enforcing it up and they were trying to figure it out. But here's the interesting thing. Portugal finally threw up their hands and there was a harebrained group of people who said, we're just going to legalize it all. No more illegalization of drugs. Now, I'm not arguing for that, but let me just tell you what actually happened. There were all kinds of critics who said, we can't legalize drugs. Um, and they were like, probably I would be saying, that's, that's just that's not going to work. But what's interesting is since they have done that, uh, now they've had a, uh, like a decade and a half to see what's happened, all the critics are saying, yeah, we should have done this a long time ago. And what they chose to do, it's not that they just left it at the legalization of drugs. What they said was, instead of you know shaming and sending everybody to jail who's into drugs, we're going to spend all that money we would have spent on dr- uh, prison and um, law enforcement and all this stuff, and we're going to spend it on not just getting people off of drugs but what they they started to tap into something i think is interesting and that is connection connecting those people back with their families connecting those people back with a job and accountabilities and 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 connecting them back with personalities and people because the problem with drug abuse uh, and and the death rate in portugal by the way was the, the, the more they abused drugs, the more isolated they became, the more dangerous it got to where they could even end up dead. So they, they started to, you know, use sociology a little bit to figure out they need connection with people, not uh, embarrassment or shaming. And, and so, you know, it's interesting because with this uh, said, the opposite, they're saying adopt, uh, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. They're saying the opposite of addiction is connection. I, I, I heard that and I, I don't know about legalization of drugs. I don't know much about drug addiction and drug abuse. But when it comes to pornography addiction, I think that is 100% true. The opposite uh, of addiction to pornography is not you know, um, sobriety or abstinence completely saying, I'm gonna just never look at it again. The opposite of addiction is connection. And that's why men love the deeds, love to be in the darkness, because their deeds are of darkness. And so guys fade out, and they aren't accountable, and they find themselves distancing themselves from the brothers in the church. And even worse, they find themselves distancing themselves from their own wives and their own children. And they end up all messed up and isolated. And it comes out in other ways of depression and all kinds of other issues. And here, all the while, what does the Bible tell us to do? Um, in Galatians it says, you know, when a man is overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of condemnation. Is that what it says? No. It says, you which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also are tempted. In other words, when a brother struggles with pornography, you don't go, oh, man, you're just a loser. Good luck with that. Glad I don't suffer from that condition. No, that's not what it is. You come up to that brother and you put your arm around him and, and say, man, I am with you. I'm here for you. I'm not going to condemn you in a spirit of meekness, knowing that I could be right where you are in 10 seconds. By the way, one of the greatest things that happened to me early in my life is I got to be a part of a, a jail ministry. And I went to jail every uh, Sunday night for several years. And... Um, you know, I did some prison ministry too at Pelican Bay and the SHU, uh, which, if you guys know prisons, that's where Charles Manson was and stuff like that. It's like the, that's a whole, prison's kind of a little different deal. But the jail ministry, what I, what I learned in the jail ministry is the men in jail were just like this group. They would look just like you guys. The only difference between the guys in jail and the guys that are here in this group is number one, well, two, two main differences. One, they got caught or one little millisecond of a decision they made that was totally stupid that you and I could easily make as well. Like I was blown away sitting across the table in that jail with, from guys and, and hearing their story, realizing, man, this guy was just like me until that 10 seconds of his life, he made a really dumb decision and he went to jail. See, the thing that the Lord showed me is there's almost zero difference between me and that guy. The only difference is he's in jail and I'm not. Other than that, we're pretty much the same. And that was so good for me as a young man in ministry because I, I, I really do have that viewpoint. Um, uh, you know, the, the thing that's that's tricky about this idea is um, we, we convince ourselves that somehow we're well, well above that. All that's saying, um, you say, okay, Brett, what's the point? The point is simply this. Um, instead of being all isolated and moving away, we come back into the light. Um, in fact, uh, 1 John, I'll just read it to you, uh, but jot it down in your notes. 1 John, uh, this, is, this is one that you guys probably know, and some of you guys even have memorized. But when it comes to this idea of coming into the light, um, it says this. It says in 1 John... Chapter 1, verse 7, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, now question, are you walking in the light or do you like isolation? Are you careful to be out of the light? Are you careful to make sure nobody looks at your computer screen or your iPhone? Are you walking in isolation and darkness, making sure that nobody ever sees what you're doing If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. If you're walking in darkness, the opposite is true. You will not have fellowship with brothers. Do you understand the problem here? And it says, um, we have fellowship one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, if you come to me and say, Brad, I'm struggling with porn, you're coming into the light. And I'm not gonna go, oh, I can't believe you're a sinner. No, I'm gonna say, welcome to the club. We're all sinners. And you're coming into the light, and I will tell you the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses you from all sin. This is biblical right here, verse 7. And it also says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is that whole thing of walking in the light rather than walking in darkness. This is what you need to do. You say, Brett, return. That's your, your point, return? Yes. Well, what if I never was in the light? What if I was born in a crazy situation? Well, you were born someday, and at that point you had never looked at porn. You mean, Brett, you're saying I need to become like a baby? Yeah, that's what Jesus said. You must be born again. First thing you got to do is Be saved. Apart from salvation, being born again, accepting Jesus and the work of the cross, there is condemnation. And there is shame with porn and with sexual impurity. There's shame there. But with Jesus Christ, he washes us clean. He remembers our sins no more. He, and we can walk in the light and have fellowship with brothers and enjoy camaraderie one with another, even though we're sinners because of Jesus and we confess and he forgives. That's the gospel. Well, return, come back into the light. And then fourthly, resist, resist. Um, it's a bloody battle. Sexual impurity is a bloody battle. You're constantly being um, hit with sexual challenges. Is, uh, am I right about that? All three of you? Okay, got it. <laughs> Liars! No, no, we, we, we all are hit constantly, constantly. I hope you guys are honest about that one. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I believe Satan runs the same play over and over and over again. Why? Because it works. He stumbles up men over and over with pornography, with sexual impurity and temptation because it's messing up so many guys. It's like if you were in the turkey bowl next week, find a play that works. We're going to run that play over and over again until they figure it out. Um, and that's what Satan does. So what do you do? You resist the devil. Well, Brett, how do I resist the devil? Now, let me give you some tools here, uh, some things to do if you're feeling tempted in sexual ways. So just some simple tools. I'll give you a few of my favorites. Um, um, number, Number one, Romans 12, 21. It says there, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you resist Satan so that he flees? You resist Satan. You resist him. And how do you resist him? Well, if Satan throws his fiery dart of lust at you, you got to get into a mode of battle. You don't get on your heels and go, wow, I'm being attacked. That's not what you do. If you were to go into battle, what do you do? You resist. You start moving aggressively toward that uh, opposition and that threat. And what do you do? You resist. See, as a Christian man, you and I can resist the devil and he will flee by overcoming evil with good. So when you're tempted to lust, here's, here's an assignment for you. Um, pray for, for four brothers that you know struggle with sexual impurity, part of your accountability group, or your uncle, or your dad, or your brother, or your son, and just say, I'm gonna pray Because I'm feeling tempted to be lustful right now, but instead of going and looking at the phone or the iPad or the computer or the TV or doing that deed, instead of doing that, I'm going to resist the devil and and make that mental decision to start praying for my brothers. And what's so great about that is do you think Satan is going to love that every time he throws the fiery dart at you and all of a sudden you're like, Lord, just bless Pastor Brett? Keep his mind stayed upon the Lord and keep his heart pure. May he love his wife more than ever. And you start praying for me, which is powerful, by the way. Prayer is real and legit and powerful. And suddenly you're praying instead of lusting. Eventually, Satan's going to flee because you've resisted. Another way to resist is obviously Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 when Satan led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Does anybody remember Jesus' single weapon that he used? What was it? The word of God, Psalm 119, how shall a young man cleanse his ways? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So having scriptures in your heart and in your mind. Um, one of my go-to things, you know, is, um, is w- whenever you're feeling tempted, to, to just come up with that uh, James 1.12, you know, um, that uh, talks about temptation. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has tried, he will receive the crown of life, which is promised to those who love the Lord. Just speak it out, man. Say it with your mouth when you're feeling that temptation. The word of God, just like Jesus did. It is written, Jesus would say every time he was tempted. There's some tools for you. Resist the devil praying for your brothers. Resist the devil speaking out the powerful word of God, which is a a sword that's ready to divide up and chop up Satan and his devices. Um, Great stuff. Um, Tools at your disposal. Uh, Prayer. And then also to be accountable and share with your brothers and confess. See, along with repentance comes confession. And that's part of coming into the light. If you're struggling, really struggling with sexual impurity, to have somebody, you can go and say, man, I'm struggling. I need prayer. You know, I'm tempted in this way. And, and make sure it's a brother that's not going to go and blab it to everybody. You can discern that fairly quickly. If a guy's going to be a good accountability buddy. But, man, take advantage of confession. The Bible says confess your sins there in James, one to another. And we read in 1 John, if we confess our sins to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So you confess to the Lord, but you also come to a brother and let the Lord work through him coming alongside of you, dealing mercifully with you. Um, These are the tools that we have. Now, let me say this. Um, I believe that there are different levels of trouble represented in this room. Um, remember the DEFCON system? I think it's still in place here in America. And I think it goes backwards. Uh, DEFCON 5, everything's rosy. DEFCON 4, little trouble in America. Um, it was, I, the, I think the worst time in America was the Cuban Missile Crisis, where it reached DEFCON 2. DEFCON 1 means that you are uh, about to have nuclear weapons fall on your head. Um, so that, that, that's kind of the thing. I, I kind of see it like that in the Church of Jesus Christ in the area of sexual impurity. And my question is, what level are you? Let's, let's talk about three levels. There's probably more, but let's just talk about three. First, no, let's do four. Number one, the guy that's Paul, that Paul talked about that doesn't even struggle with that. And he could be single and he doesn't burn with passion or lust and he's good to go. God bless him. I'm not sure I've met that guy other than Paul. That's DEFCON five or four. DEFCON three, you're a guy who loves Jesus. You're a Christian but man, you live in a lustful world and you do stumble from time to time and you let your mind go there. <clears throat> and there's been times where you've stumbled on stuff, um, which is so easy to do. Uh, I was talking with a guy the other day and we both remember when we were kids, this is where we, we grew up in Southern Oregon. We both were just walking down the side of the road and saw magazines that some guy threw out of his window uh, and found pornography right on the side of the road when, when we were kids, little kids. You know, you never asked for that. But when you see that and, you, and you're, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff where you just kind of, oh man, I'm here, I'm trying to be pure, I'm trying to do the right thing, but you find yourself stumbling. That's DEFCON too. And that's where I would say do battle like we just talked about where, you know, you, you, when you see that or are tempted by that, resist the devil, he will flee. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And, and scripture and prayer, tools that we've given you there, you can engage in that and see real victory. DEFCON. Um, what are we on? Two. DEFCON 2 is the guy in this room that um, is really struggling. And you're you're kind of seeing a failure. You're not really conquering this thing. You're the guy that comes to church and Sunday nights you're here at the table of communion saying, Lord, forgive me again and again. And week in and week out, struggling with the same thing. And And man, you beat yourself up. You don't want to talk to anybody because... You're perceived in the church as a, a godly man and you're afraid to come into the light with this because, man, uh, people think you're a leader in the church. They think you're, you've got things dialed in. Your family thinks you're squared away, but in your heart, you know you're failing and struggling. Man, if I could um, remind you that it's not about you just suddenly being abstinent and pure and holy, it's about, I think, connection. It's, it's about you connecting with brothers and coming alongside and getting prayer. And um, if you have an accountability group, be accountable. Have some brothers come alongside of you and get some help. Some of you guys are already doing that, that have wrestled at DEFCON 2. Um, there's another thing that I want to make available to you. If you're at DEFCON 2, that's a perfect time to come in and meet one of our pastors and say, man, I wanna go in and just talk with a pastor. And, uh, um, and uh, I'll, I'll have Mike come up here in just a second. Uh, and t- talk a little bit about that. Um, uh, I know it's, it's getting late, but this is an important topic. And if you need to get up use the restroom, go ahead. But um, just give me another 15 or 20 minutes here. Um, and then and then uh, after meeting with a pastor, man, they can help get you squared away. Some counsel, some scripture, some prayer. And, and also kind of help sort of um, diagnose where you're at. And, and they're not going to go blab it to everybody. There's confidentiality, no humil- uh, humiliation, no shame but our pastoral staff is a solid bunch of guys who just love you and want you to come in and, and we, you, know, you don't have to call in and say, I've got to talk to a pastor about pornography. You don't have to do that. You can say, hey, I just need to meet with one of the pastors and uh, the guys would love to meet up with you. Um, uh, I get asked uh, almost weekly if I will be an accountability partner for people. Uh, the church is like over 4,000 people. Uh, I can't really do it for all the guys. And I can't even meet with all the guys as much as I'd love to. But I have a massively cool team of guys that um, is available to meet with you guys and go grab a burger or some coffee and talk through some stuff and give you even more tools to see victory in your life. DEFCON 1. You're the guy who's in real trouble. Um, you're, you've seen prostitutes. You're uh, engaged in stuff that's bad. You're doing stuff that is, is um, stuff you would have never imagined yourself doing and you're, you're walking in dark and, and you know that it's, it's plaguing your life and you're deep into it. Um, answer is still the same. Come and meet with one of our pastors. And, and then one of our pastors, they might give you more of a regimented plan um, to hold yourself accountable, it's all still loving, it's still compassionate, it's merciful, it's not judgmental or critical, but it's to come into the light and to get some good, solid help. And it might include even um, professional help outside of Athey Creek. We have some good people. I see Ryan here. Ryan's one of my, my bros here a counselor, and he's good, man. He, this is one of the areas he deals with all the time. Um, but there is sometimes a place where I like to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, encourage a brother to take it to the next level. Um, uh, there's a brother in the church I just talked to last week who um, got to that level and um, it almost ended his marriage. And he found this guy who's a Christian counselor who's a really cool guy and has really helped him. Like he's, he's so excited because he's finally seeing some help Um, and and, uh, getting the compassionate, merciful help that he needs. And our pastoral staff will help refer you in a direction that might be even outside into kind of the next level of help. And man, don't let it go, because it will, like Solomon said, it will destroy you. Um, What I want to do is a couple things. Uh, One is I'd like to have David Frost. Um, I'd like him to come up and give us sort of a uh, really quick summary of some things we can do electronically And this is just to get the discussion going um, uh, just initially. So David, why don't you come up first, and then we'll have Mike Rugg. then we'll close, uh, and then we'll call it a day. So David, come on out.
1: All right. Like Brett said, I know you guys are dying to get home to your lawns at home. You see the sun outside, you're like, i got to mow the lawn. So we're going to go quick. Uh, Like Brett said, pornography is as accessible as ever. Um, kind of a byproduct of that is the fact that there is now a market for uh, fighting that. Kind of like you said, there's a lot of tools that we can use. I want to start with smartphones. And by the way, uh, at the end here, if you miss any of this, you can shoot me an email, Kaipo an email, and we'll send you all this information so you don't have to get it all down right now. But this is something that I think every single guy in here, or at least every guy who's ever been tempted in any way, shape, or form to look at something on their device uh, that they shouldn't be looking at, can put into place that is free, and you could do it in your truck when you get in uh, after the service this morning. And that is uh, these settings that are already uh, a part of the operating system on your devices. This is an example of the uh, Apple settings on your iPhone or your iPad it's really simple, and that is there are restriction settings that you can put in place. Uh, these work well for your children, but also personally for yourself. And I found this to be helpful for a lot of guys uh, when it comes to making that split-second decision. Um, have, giving yourself that moment to make a decision to resist or to give in to that temptation. And really what that looks like is that when you, and here's an example of an Android tablet, same thing, uh, profile settings, you'll find it all in there. It's really simple, really easy. But basically what this will do is when your device sees something as questionable, it'll make you put in a password. And you could even have that password, but the, the idea is when you put in that password, you're saying, yes, I know what I'm doing. I want to look at this. And maybe it's a, it's a news thing you're trying to get to. Maybe it's something you know you shouldn't be doing. And so it gives you that opportunity to hit uh, cancel, uh, never mind. And uh, so I think that that's something that everyone really that has a smart device should have in place minimally. And I'm going to kind of start on that, uh, the five on the scale, and, and work our way to the, to the one like Brett mentioned. Um, the next level here is content filters. And these are, uh, I'm going to mention just for a second, these are just strictly filters. So they, their job um, is to try to... <laughs> Uh, not allow things that are questionable or or mature content uh, to come up. Some are better than others, obviously. What's great is because this industry is growing, uh, in the last five years, I would say, these filters have become exponentially better than they used to be. So maybe you're you're one that 10 years ago you tried out something like this and you're just frustrated because it was blocking every single thing that you needed to get to. Um, It used to be, it used to just not work very well and things are getting much, much better. Uh, Here's an example, I just threw a a quick search into my Apple App Store uh, for accountability apps Um, and I'm focusing primarily on mobile at the moment because like we previously mentioned, uh, that's where a lot of these problems are. So these are just some examples of standalone apps and most of these aren't subscription-based, some of them are even free um, but I would say on that level, you really get what you pay for, uh, which I think we all kind of have found with these types of things uh, in the past. So these are standalone apps that they, they're browsers, some of them. So you basically replace uh, your, your built-in browser, Safari or what have you, turn that off, and then you can use these browsers that have filters in place, um, which can be very helpful. Um. But that's where these end, is on the content filtering. Now really what I want to focus on uh, for the next couple of minutes and the, the bulk of what, what we're talking about here is a combination of content filters with accountability. And this is where I think the success rate kind of shoots up when you're dealing with uh, the man who is closer to the, the three on the scale. Um, it, bring, it incorporates the aspect of that connection, of having that other guy, that other person that you're, you're gaining access to uh, your what you're doing on the internet. And that, uh, that can be a real motivator. Let's just put it that way. I know a lot of you guys did uh, engage in accountability groups and you found that to be hugely helpful this last summer. I know that that was the case for myself. Um, and so adding this this accountability aspect is huge. Um, this is Covenant Eyes. And I start with this one because it's probably the most uh, common that I see. A lot of guys are familiar with it. It's been around a long time. Uh, just like all of these other things, Covenant Eyes is getting better. And what you're going to find with Covenant Eyes is a subscription-based pricing model. And you can do this for an individual, as you see here. I know it's kind of small, but... Uh, you can have an individual, family, or a group plan. And it's, it's affordable. It does cost money. It's like 10 bucks a month, um, which you say 10 bucks a month. But the, the question is, what's it worth to you? You know, it's the value uh, of what you're getting. And so what, what this uh, application does is it will do that content filtering that we talked about. Um, they have a, a rating system. And this is basically how all the filters work, uh, but the, this one and the next one I'm going to talk about are probably uh, better on the content filtering than some of those standalone apps that you'll find. But they rate websites um, based on all kinds of things, from teen all the way up to highly mature. And so based on your settings, uh, you can, with your accountability partner or on your own, uh, you can utilize these settings to set those parameters, and then once something goes over a certain level, uh, it's either filtered or reported. And this is the cool thing about accountability is that it sends a report to your accountability partner or partners. You can have a lot of them uh, if you want to. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend more than a few, but uh, but you, uh, you can send, and they can be as detailed or as Really general as uh, as you decide is best for your situation with your accountability partner, um, but this is an example of a review here on the side. Uh, you can see some Google searches. There's uh, Kate Upton on there that came up. So there are things that that <laughs> that uh, will be questionable and be, you know it's it actually looks bad to the software but it's actually fine and that's where the account of, having an accountability partner is a a good thing because it's a, another guy that can go oh that's you know that was an accident it's a conservative news website or whatever um, so that uh, i think that the combination for anyone above say a, a 4 uh, can be very very helpful this is the the browser the app that Covenant Eyes has on mobile. Um, This is the iOS one. You'll find it on Google Play as well. And the idea with Covenant Eyes, the way that it works on mobile, is that you replace your internet browser with theirs. And then all of your internet searches, everything you're doing online, is running through those filters and... uh, In all of the settings that you've set up for Covenant Eyes. So that's kind of how that works. The second one and the the last one I'm going to mention on this, this is probably their biggest uh, competitor, X3 Watch. Uh, Some of you are familiar with this. This started out as a free accountability software only. uh, I don't know how long ago. I mean, I remember it 10 years ago. But it's uh, gotten a lot better. And just like all these other things, they have gone to, also a subscription model uh, as you can see here and it what is funny is that these companies compete just like any other business and this is them kind of bragging about how they're better than everyone else um, which you'll find with any of them honestly Uh, you will have to do some research and just kind of decide what's best for me X3 watch does a lot of the same things Um, they have a browser that you replace on your iOS device Android users I would say uh, you can find better um, coverage as far as filtering goes. And that's because the, the Android platform is more what we call open source. It means like the apps can speak with each other. On an Apple device they don't really allow that for developers. So you'll find uh, on all of these better coverage on an Android device than on an Apple device generally speaking. But uh, it absolutely is still beneficial uh, for for Apple users. And with these subscription models, you, can, you pay one price and then you put all your devices on that one account and it's all the same one price. So this is their uh, mobile browser. I noticed that their review on their mobile browser is much worse than the other one, but that's probably because they haven't uh, fixed something from the, the latest iOS update or something like that. Moving on from those, uh, this is something else for, I, I would say anyone that has an internet connection at their home where there are children using that internet connection. And when I say children, I would say anyone, uh, anyone 18 or under or even older than that, uh, it allows you, the, your actual router and this other hardware that I'd like to mention here in a second, there are settings on basically every Wi-Fi router in existence uh, today that, that's on the market. There are uh, filtering settings for content on your internet. This is something you could go home and do today, especially if you're semi tech savvy. It depends on the router you have, the, how hard it is to get into these settings, but it's pretty uh, easy. You could do a little YouTube search and figure it out pretty fast. I'm um, pretty confident we could, we could all handle that for the most part. Um, that's a no brainer, that's easy. And again, no cost, so a good option. Um, something else that is, this is just two years old, and maybe some of you have heard of Circle. Uh, The website is meetcircle.com and these folks are doing some great work uh, when it comes to controlling what content is being viewed uh, on your internet connection specifically. So what this is, is a very different thing. It's not a subscription model, it's a piece of hardware. It's like an Apple TV basically, but it's a Circle. And uh, it's $99, you buy it once. You turn it on, plug it in, plug it into your router, and then using their app on your smart device or on your computer, you can very, very easily set up uh, your settings for your entire network. And it also will bring in every device that's connected to your network, and you can set specific settings for those devices. And I know I'm I'm trying not to turn this into a business meeting feel, but uh, uh, bear with me. So... This is great because, let's say you have kids in different age ranges, or grandkids, um, you can specifically select their devices and put restrictions on, not only their internet usage and amount of time, but you can restrict app us- usage. Um, you can say, okay, I want them to be able to play this Angry Birds game for no, long, no more than 30 minutes a day. And it will actually restrict them from using Angry Birds for more than 30 minutes a day. Uh, that's kind of amazing. Uh, something that's not as recommended maybe would, would be uh, you could limit your wife's Pinterest usage for like an hour or something. Probably save some money, but you might uh, damage your relationship there a little bit. But, <laughs> again, not recommended. You didn't hear that from me. But you can do that, um, which really cool stuff. So these are some of the features. You can set time limits. You can set a bedtime, meaning the internet will just turn off at a certain time, which is, a lot of routers can do that. Um, Filtering gets real specific. Pause, that's kinda cool. If uh, for whatever reason you wanna pause the internet usage on a specific user, you can do it right then and there from your phone, wherever you are. You don't even have to be home. So really cool stuff. Insights, uh, that's reports. So the same reporting, type of reporting we were talking about with Covenant Eyes and those things, but more detailed and uh, really, really user friendly. That's what I found with Uh, with Circle in general and again it manages every single device so let's say your junior high uh, son has his buddy come over and they're trying to look at some things that they know they shouldn't be on his iPad that they brought over as soon as another device goes on your internet connection on your Wi-Fi network you get a notification on your on your phone that says there's a new device you can click on it wherever you are set whatever settings you want right then and there. It's really cool uh, and I'm not a Circle salesman, but it's kind of cool. So uh, the very last thing, same people. Circle, uh, they're working on this, and this is already launched and functional. Um, and it sounds amazing, but it's called Circle Go. And this is basically, once you have the hardware, you can, you can buy a subscription. Uh, it's a small subscription fee. And you can control those devices with all those settings we just talked about remotely. And they do this with something called VPN, which is virtual private networks for all you nerds out there. Um, But basically, it runs their internet connection, no matter where they are, through a VPN that actually runs through the Circle server, which uh, allows you to have all of that functionality. You can still restrict app usage and all of that. Now, I know that we're not necessarily talking about uh, our kids playing Angry Birds too much. But it comes down to being able to uh, know that your kids are, or at least making an effort to make sure that your kids are using the internet safely. Because this stuff is starting at an early age, like we talked about, the, the pornography industry, they, they want customers and the best way to um, to get a long term customer is to engage someone early. And that's what they're doing. And they've made it amazingly accessible, so we have to fight it. And these are some of the tech tools that you can use for that. Again, if you have any questions about any of that, that's uh, my email address. And Kaipo's. you can shoot us an email and we can shoot you a PDF of those slides or answer any questions. Um, I won't stand up here and answer tech questions this morning, because I think some of you would uh, fall asleep, as you probably already are. But uh, that's, that's my part, so All there right. you go.
0: Thanks, David. Yep. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, one, th- <clears throat> one thing about the, t- the tech side of things is, you know, the, the truth is, uh, a guy who really wants to mess up with sexual sin, he's going to do it. Is there's ways around everything. We all get that. Um, and it really has to do with your heart, like we talked about earlier. Delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And, um, and uh, if your heart is bent towards sin, you're going to do it. The thing I like about this stuff is it does slow us down, gives us pause, makes us accountable. I, I have Covenant Eyes with two guys, <clears throat> my son Joey and one other guy, and um, it's uh, it, I love it. it. It's clunky and if you I'll be honest, uh, you know, like if you get a text and somebody sends you an internet link on your message, you know, normally you just click it and it goes right to the Safari. Now you got to cut and paste the the URL into the the Covenant Eyes app. And I was talking to Joey about that, and we're like, yeah, but. So you cut and paste it, whoopee doo. Uh, it takes 10 seconds, uh, it's a little longer, a little clunkier, but we have accountability and it, it's it's just good. It feels good to have that, you know, kind account- You know what else it did, by the way, is even if you're not surfing porn, um, with guys knowing all the websites I'm going, there's stuff that I, I don't even wanna click on knowing that, they, you know, like there's news stuff you can click on and it's all, hey, I'm just looking at the news, you know. and But, but you're kind of just more aware Almost like as if you knew Jesus, we're looking right over your shoulder at everything you're looking at. I think that's healthy. I think it's really good. Um, we're almost done, and I've got a, I got a prize. I'm so uh, uh, nice. I've got a prize coming for all you guys because you're so patient. But I, I've got just one more thing. I'd like, um, if you came to Athey Creek for help with the pastoral staff, uh, I'm gonna have Mike Murug. Why don't you come on up and let us know what to expect. If you come in and ask uh, one of our pastors, because we've got Mike, Gabe, Jason, Gordy, and uh, Ian, we got a good team of guys. And Mike, tell us kind of what happens there.
2: Good morning. I won't keep you long. I know we've been here a while. Uh, it's a good question. What exactly happens when you come in or talk to a pastor? For many of you, I know that I know a lot of you. And you know a lot of other people here at Athey Creek. And I kind of want to help remove that barrier of what would exactly, what would that look like if you were to come in and talk with a pastor? So as men, and as Brett said, and I'm going to reiterate a couple things, you know that we all struggle with temptation. Um, For many of you, um, what level, even as Brett talked about, are you at? Um, As men, we should also be pursuing, as you know, and all this is connected to, our relationship with Jesus Christ. We should be pursuing righteousness, coming out of darkness into light. Um, I appreciate that you shared that today too, Brett, because it was funny, I was, I was thinking, man, I, it almost looks like we compared notes on, on this because the way I look at this is things that are done in darkness need to be brought to light. And that's one of the intentions of the pastoral care staff is that we wanna help and hear those things so that we can help move you in a direction from darkness to light. You know, in Galatians 6.1, even as Brett shared, it talks about restoring a brother. But one of the words that I appreciate there is it says gently. And so um, we take great care with that word, gently. Um, if somebody comes in, we know what our posture should be and what it shouldn't be and how we're to go about doing that. So here's what we're not going to do. Um, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to shame you. Uh, we're not going to uh, reiterate everything that you're confessing and why you did what you did. Uh, we're not going to think lesser of you and and I know that that um, is is almost uh, a foreign concept. Uh, you'd want to come in and think, well well you're not going to sit there as a pastor and look down upon me. Um, it's hard for pastors I, I think here at ATHE to do that because we know what Christ did for us and we just wanna help you pursue that righteousness that I just talked about. So here's what we are going to do. We're gonna listen. We wanna pray with you. We wanna help restore you. Uh, we wanna help point you to Christ and bring you back into the light. And part of that starts on a path. Um, and for each of our pastors, we're gonna help decide um, you know, what path and, and how much of what you need do you need, does is some of that software, accountability, friendships, uh, where does that start and what level and how do we get there? So here's what you have to do and it's pretty simple. Call the church office and all you have to say is, I wanna meet with a pastor. And many of you do this already. You'll call and ask if one of the pastors is available or Um, hey, is somebody available? I need to meet. I want to talk about something. And nobody grills you on what it is or why are you coming in. Um, Sometimes it's just, hey, I just want to hook up with one of the pastors. I haven't seen them in a while. Can I get on their calendar or on their schedule? So there's there's nothing that's going to be taken from a phone call from you wanting to meet with a pastor um, and us setting up a meeting to get together. And we have a great pastoral staff, and we'll get you together with one of them. So, just and just so you know, too, I, I do want you to feel comfortable with that. Um, calling the church office shouldn't feel frightening, and meeting with one of the pastors shouldn't feel heavy. So know that um, the meetings can be short or long, and we'll just sit there and open up the scripture, and we, we'd like to just start you on that path of restoration. Um, now, and as I had said that um, many of you, will know the pastoral staff or you know others in this room and I think that if you're newer to Athey or don't know as many people that it can almost be easier for you to come in because um, in a way you'd think that there's less to lose when really even if we know you or we've known you for 10 or 15 years you've been a long-term Athey creeker, it would be more heartbreaking to see somebody not come in because Um, They're afraid of what would happen with that connection with the staff or with the leadership or other Athey Creekers. It'd be worse for you to stay in that than to just simply come out and say, I'm a sinner, and I've sinned, and I have a problem. So it's it's pretty painless, um, and I would just encourage you guys that as you leave here today to really— Pray about this. And if you're a guy and you know that this is you in this room and you know you're the guy that I'm talking about, pray about it. Seek the Lord. And in a couple days, give us a call. We'd love to meet with you. Thanks.
0: Proverbs twenty seven seventeen: 17. Uh, uh, iron sharpeneth iron. Um, and so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That's what I love about this group. That, that, I'm, I'm really glad to be a part of this group. And uh, you guys are here on Saturdays once a month uh, to sharpen each other up, to connect with each other. Um, let's let's keep that rolling along. And uh, and because you've been so patient, and I love that scripture, and I like this group, we've printed up a bunch of t-shirts. Yeah. Ta-da! Woo! I'm a model. Uh, I should walk to the plane. <laughs> but, uh yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um, And so the guys are bringing out some t-shirts right now, uh, and it goes from, uh, let's see, my right, I think, are the big sizes are going to be down here, uh, up to 4X, and then uh, the little fellers are going to be down over here. Um, You guys, (laughs) you're in shape, people. Jim, uh, we'll let you get your small, uh, (laughs) you know, you guys are chiseled. Um, so, uh, so let's pray, and then you can uh, kind of hang out, fellowship, but don't leave until you uh, come up and grab one of these uh, ironwork shirts. Lord, we are thankful so much for your word. And uh, I pray that, Lord, your word would bring forth good fruit. Even this message today about personal purity, we know we can't tackle the pornography and, and sexual immorality issue in one Saturday morning. But I pray that today you will give us tools and, and a long-term plan to come into the light, to be accountable, to make friends, to, uh, to undergird one another and sharpen one another, Lord. And bless my brothers. Give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I pray that the marriages in this room would be blessed as we get sexual lust dealt with and, and, and done away with, Lord. And I pray that um, our wives would be blessed, our families and kids would be blessed as we see purity as a real part of Athey Creek. Not out of self-righteousness or legalism, but I pray that it would just be a result of how much you love us um, and what you've done for us that makes us desire to follow your word. So bless these guys now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Amen, let's stand. Hey, before you go, get to know a few more names, but now you can come on up and grab one of these. Don't, we'll be here, so don't hurry, no big deal. God bless you guys.